Welcome to Nano Sessions, a NanoLumens podcast where we chat with the experts on all things visualization. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Nano Sessions, a NanoLumens podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Okay, so listeners out there, I want you to picture a walk through Times Square. Crowded, loud, bright, bustling, a lot of life, per usual. And as you scan the view, as you people watch, your eyes drift up to the flashing digital displays, and to your surprise, one is quite literally on fire. (laughs) In flames. This actually happened to a Mitsubishi board back in May of this year in Times Square. The reason was linked to a wiring failure, so not anything particularly wrong with the diodes or the LED technology, but it got AV professionals thinking. Are our LED screens resistant to fire, and are we doing enough to make sure that we have flame-retardant LED displays? I'd like to welcome Adam Dixon, Operations Director of Electrical Engineering for NanoLumens, to give his perspective on designing fire-retardant LED displays. Welcome to the podcast, Adam. It's great to have you on. How are you doing? Uh, Doing very well. Great to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. Looking forward to breaking this down. So, uh... Give me a little context on that Mitsubishi board. When that LED screen burst into flames, what were people's reactions within the industry? Um, you know, was was there any conversation going around? There definitely was conversation in the office, wondering what actually had happened with that particular part of the world that's absolutely plastered with outdoor displays. Right. Um, it just definitely raised some eyebrows. Now, is that something you would consider common or expected, or was it pretty novel and unexpected? Definitely unexpected, um, based on regulatory requirements for selling electronics of any sort, not just LED displays, any reputable supplier of, of electronics is going to do things in their product design and their manufacturing processes to ensure that you don't have those kinds of events occurring. So besides that one kind of freak example, um, in what applications would you need or want a fire retardant LED board? Basically for any environment where the display is considered to be a building material or piece of furniture or equipment that for environments like the transportation space primarily where you have large crowds of people in small spaces where anything, it's, it's not just LED displays, having a, a wastebasket full of paper towels catch on fire becomes something that people are concerned about from a, a human safety perspective. So de- definitely transportation is the key area for us. Yeah, and I'm sure as you get more um, more corporate applications of digital signage, so you know when it is basically embedded into the wall or embedded into a conference room or a table, even, um, and you know when digital signage is treated like a thoughtful part of the design process, well, naturally those materials need to be as fire retardant as every other material that's in that building. Um, Does it often get explored that way by the the business owners and the facility managers? Or is making that connection that, oh, I need to make sure my LED display is also fire resistant. Uh, Is that kind of a a foreign concept uh, and a, a, you know, a foreign kind of dot to connect? 
I think historically it's been a, a foreign dot to connect primarily because people have thought of displays as something akin to a, a TV set that you hang on the wall in a lot of instances. And again, if, if you do look at building materials requirements, we certainly are glad that our, our drywall doesn't inherently go up in flames. And when you do have a display that covers the complete wall of a, a conference room or a boardroom, uh, even though you've not thought of it that way, you certainly would hope that it's not a, a bonfire waiting to happen, which electronics uh, in general, I can't think of any other application where you have a complex printed circuit assembly that is the outward facing surface of a large product. Uh, if you think of computers, TVs, washing machines, doesn't matter uh, what product it is, you have the the electronics are stuffed inside of a, an enclosure of some sort. And so this is very much a, a novel application for finding something that is um, inherently fire retardant. So you've been working with nanolumens for more than five years now. How long have you been helping design and test fire retardant LED displays? We've been working on this for roughly three years, uh, coming out of some interesting customer conversations on the business development side of the business and started some exploratory research about three years ago, primarily in the uh, material science uh, arena. When you think about what the lowest level building blocks are that you need to put a, an LED display together. Well, I know obviously a big part of rolling something fresh out into the market like this uh, is collaboration and is a general sense of bringing in academia or bringing in other companies in the industry to give their perspective. Um, during that research process, uh, were there any outside partnerships or insights or collaborations that happened? And just in general, what did that research process look like to bring fire-resistant displays to market? Sure. Yeah, there was some collaboration with uh, academia and with it's not private, but the the fire research community is a it's a relatively small group of of individuals and companies worldwide that have focused on other industries and other applications historically. But um, we've spoken with two or three industry experts. They would be people if you survey the refereed peer-reviewed journals related to pyrology and um, material science, uh, as well as if you go out and look at the textbooks that are used at some of the universities that have master's and PhD programs in fire science. Uh, we've worked with several individuals there. And then there are a, a handful of labs worldwide that have the ability to do material or product testing to a very wide array of standards since most countries have unique requirements. Uh, they, they pick and choose the performance levels that are uh, most important to them, which typically have come out of a 
either a, a reaction or an attempt to be proactive to avoid repeating some sort of um, fire type disaster, uh, you know, where human life was lost or there was significant property damage and so forth. So when trying to create an LED screen that is also fire retardant, were there aspects of the board that during that research process would get compromised? So, you know, oh, in order to make it fire resistant in this way, oh, now we're going to have to scale back on this capacity or we're going to have to use a different kind of material here. And you know, as you were doing that process, how did you maintain the integrity and the quality of the LED display while also making it fire resistant? Sure. So, like I mentioned earlier, we started with material science, a material science focus. And if you look at the LED display industry, uh, the supply chain is fairly well defined. Um, every, almost every packaged LED manufacturer is using a common subset of materials and, and manufacturing processes. And then at the printed circuit assembly level, um, everybody wants to try and use the uh, lowest cost bare board technology that still delivers a, a reliable performing system. And so we had to go explore some uncommon or never previously used material combinations for uh, the LED package itself, as well as uh, the, the, the bare board um, construction. And so we had to go look in some other areas, other industries, as well as you know, have uh, colleagues that have done a, a fabulous job developing some strong supply chain partnerships where you know, they were able to get our partners to build something that is very much non-standard in the industry. And I'm sure a big hurdle that you faced during the design process was that most fire hazard research is based around homogenous materials and how they hold up against fire, but LED displays are anything but homogenous. Um, did that add uncertainty to the, to the research and to the design and testing process? Absolutely. Uh, the experts with whom we consulted early on uh, the consistent message was published research data uh, centers around homogenous materials that uh, fire dynamics are incredibly complex. You're trying to understand not only does it burn, but how much heat is released, at what rate, are there toxic gases that are uh, generated, um, just a, it's a, how much smoke is generated. So you have four or five different main criteria with interrelated attributes um, that boil down to how the materials interact and the testing of the actual nixle construction when you're dealing with multiple different material types um, stacked and, and interwoven. Uh, definitely was a, I guess that's new, new ground with respect to how the, the testing is normally done. We did some of our own homegrown testing uh, because it's fairly expensive to build up a large array of LED uh, modules or nixels 
to take to a lab and have them simply burn them up and try and give you a, a pass or fail report. So we did some homegrown stuff that was used as a, a baseline before taking the the preferred constructions to a couple of uh, worldwide recognized labs for the the formal testing. And, you know, especially when you're dealing with innovative products like this, uh, like you mentioned, another big hurdle is that product testing and that certification, mostly because there are significant material and service costs that come with that testing. So walk us through the challenges and the wins that came from testing and certifying these high-performing fire retardant LED displays. Um, And what did that process look like? The supply chain piece of the puzzle is a fairly complicated one where if you are requiring a unique packaged LED construction in order to um, minimize heat release and minimize smoke density, then we had to be very careful about the the quantities of what Nixel constructions to build in order to meet the sample size requirements for the the test labs to which they went. We, We tested both uh, domestically and in Europe, and um, again, it's it's a set of trade-offs that, in order to target the first customer geographies that express the most interest, um, did some Pareto kind of analysis to figure out which sample size and which test suite to execute. Uh, knowing that we would do a little bit of our own ad hoc testing ahead of time before shipping high dollar, um, almost one of a kind samples to a lab um, in in Europe, for example, and uh, just took a little bit of try and trial and error in the home office and um, ended up with a handful of different standards for uh, Europe for a few Asian countries and for um, North America that uh, we've done very well on uh, against the test standards. And now looking to the future for this, to kind of wrap up our conversation, uh, do you see this research becoming a standard for LED displays in the future? Um, Is this something that you think will eventually become just a a no-brainer? Or do you think there's still some time before it ever reaches that point. I'm not sure that a standard would actually develop, partly because of the supply chain complexity, but also partly because of um, there being a few other paths that other industry players might choose to explore. Uh, When you look at the criteria that you must meet based on the country standards, um, there are a few different ways to approach the problem, and in, in our case, felt that the, the best approach was to try and minimize the combustible mass. Um, if you have less material to burn, then theoretically you're going to generate uh, less radiant heat, which is one of the criteria, and if you pick your materials that are, again, are a little out of the mainstream in our industry, 
to where you can guarantee that you're not going to emit toxic gases and you're going to minimize the amount of smoke that's created. Um, there are other design attributes, how much metal you use in the system, how you partition your electronics, um, cable technologies that need to be evaluated. And there are a few uh, different ways that the problem potentially could be solved. Um, we haven't seen anybody else's product that that we think meets the, the same performance level as ours and has some intellectual property to try and protect, you know, the research that we have done. Um, so it's just it's going to be interesting to see over the next few years, since it seems to be a, a topic of increasing interest with at least what, what I'm hearing um, from the business development and marketing and sales folks. So I'm, I'm really just very interested to watch how the industry goes over the next few years here. Absolutely. Well, as it continues to develop, we'll have to bring you back on for more conversations on fire retardant LED displays. But till then, Adam Dixon, thanks again for joining us on the podcast. It was a pleasure getting to chat. Oh, this was fabulous. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening to today's episode of Nano Sessions. And if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, you can head to resources.nanolumens.com. And on there, you'll see a tab that says Browse by Resource. Scroll down, you'll see a tab for podcasts. You can also find our content on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.